Blog Talk Radio. All right, and we are live on Blog Talk Radio, and I am Brother Brandon Teague, and it's my pleasure to be coming to you this morning uh, from just south of Deport, Texas, here in northeast Texas, and you have joined in with the Old Paths broadcast, and uh, we're looking forward to walking with Jesus today. You tuned in, what is this, part 135, 135 of the series, Getting to Know Jesus, and it's amazing because where we're looking at this morning, what we're going to be talking about, as I just mentioned before we went live here on the air, the the series is Getting to Know Jesus, but the disciples here one week away from the cross of Calvary still don't understand what's happening, and you know, they walked with him for three years. And they still ain't figured it out, okay? Some of them knew him his whole life, and they still haven't figured it out. So, and, But I said, I made this statement. I said, thank God that we are where we are because we have, we have perfect hindsight with help of the Holy Ghost of God looking back on all these things, and we can understand these things on this side of Calvary. They were on the other side of Calvary. They were going through it with him, and they watched him go through Calvary, but yet they still did not understand it until the other side of Calvary. Once he had been resurrected then and appeared to them then, and they received the Holy Ghost then, it all clicked, and they all went, oh, we get it now, and they began to serve God. But you and I are on the other side. We don't have the excuse of, oh, we didn't know. We don't have the excuse of, oh, we just didn't understand all that. If you don't understand, and again, I'm not, I, I won't say this before I make I'm not picking on anybody, and I'm not jumping on anybody, and I'm not trying to bully anybody with what things I'm going to say. But if you don't understand it, and if you don't learn it, and you don't know who Jesus is, and you don't understand why he does the things that he does, if you don't understand what the Bible has to say, and you and you say you are a believer, and you've trusted in, on the blood of Jesus Christ to wash your sins away, and you don't understand, it's your own fault. God has given you the Word of God, the perfect Word of God to help you to, to understand his will. He has given you the Holy Ghost of God, his spirit to live within you, to help you and guide you through the word of God. And he's, he's given you a preacher to hear you uh, so you can hear the word of God preached. He's given you people around you who can help you and, and, and shoulder the load alongside you. And if you don't understand, it's quite frankly, it's your fault for not wanting to understand. Let's get to know Jesus. Let's 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 put off the way we've done it before, and let's set a let's set a new resolution today that we're going to serve God and we're going to walk with God and we want to understand who God is and what what He wants and what Christ what Christ would have us to understand uh, going up this going down this road to Jerusalem because that's where we find ourselves this morning and like I said this is part 135 of the series getting to know Jesus and uh, we find ourselves this morning in Luke. Chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, uh, right past where we were last week. And last week, we, we last week's sermon was a, a wee little man got a great big Savior. Last week was on the salvation of Zacchaeus. And, uh, and the, well, what we're going to look at this morning is immediately following Zacchaeus' salvation. Immediately. Okay, These, this happened before he ever went to Zacchaeus' house for, for supper. 
This, this happened before that. This happened right as Zacchaeus is standing there, and he said, if I've taken anything I, by false accusation I, from any man, I restore unto him fourfold. This happened immediately following that. So let's look here in verse 11. We're going to read all the way down to verse 27 this morning. So stay with me, and then we'll go back through it. All right? So Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 27 reading this morning from the King James Bible, as always, the Bible said, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said unto, likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou laidst not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I did not lay down that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money to the, into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they say unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which hath shall be given from him that hath not, even that he hath, shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. Lord God, I want, I want the Holy Ghost power this morning, Lord, to preach. Lord, I dare not try to open my mouth and do a thing to help anybody without you. I need you. I, I need, Lord cleansing, Lord, forgiveness of sin. I need, Lord, my mind to be clear. Lord, I need everything and anything that would hinder, Lord, to be removed. I need, Lord, uh, just a fresh touch from you today. I need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost this morning. Lord, speak through me. I want to magnify Jesus. Lord, I want to get out of the way, and I want to let Jesus come forth. Lord, I pray that you open my understanding, open their understanding. Lord, may we reason together from the Scripture. Lord, please help us today. Feed us from the Word. We give you the glory and the praise. 
May Jesus be magnified above all. Lord, touch the sinner that's nearest hell. Draw them to salvation. Lord, the one out there that's struggling, Lord, and trying to do it without the Holy Ghost power in their life, Lord, I pray today would be the day of understanding that they might realize how to serve you. Lord God, I just pray, Father, let the Word of God teach us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I didn't even put a title on this, so I, I, we'll, we'll figure it out. But uh, the actual, I mean, the, the story is the parable of the Minas. Now, you ask, what's a Mina? Never heard of a Mina in my life, right? Been reading the Bible all these years. Well, when you look it up, this parable, it's not the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents is found over in Matthew. So this is the parable of the pounds, but it's also called the parable of the minas. And it's it, the mina is a is a it is a I guess you would say a denomination of money, uh, an ancient denomination of money. A mina uh, or a pound, it, it roughly equals out to about fifteen dollars. Okay, so I mean, but it's a parable. That's the thing we have to understand. This is a parable. And I know I've got little ones in here that need to perk up and listen to me this morning and not try to sleep in church. We need to sit up and listen. Okay? All right? When we're talking about a parable, a parable is a story that Jesus told. And it's a story about something here on earth. Okay? So something we can wrap our minds around and understand. He tells us a story about something happening, but he, he's telling us, something that's about really about heaven, really about God's kingdom, but he's saying it in such a way that we can understand it. So that's what we want to look at this morning as we get into this, all right? So we need to understand that when he says certain things, we're going to find out who these things are talking about. So let's go ahead and look at it now, and let's, let's, let's get into it and figure out what we can learn from it. The Bible says, and as they heard these things, in other words, they heard Zacchaeus talking about how he, he, he was going to make things right in his life and he was going to serve Jesus. And Jesus was saying that, you know, I'm going to come and, and sup with you tonight. And, and, and they were listening to all that. So in the middle of all these people standing around, and remember, I want you to remember, it's not just Jesus and Zacchaeus standing in the middle of the road talking to each other. There are people everywhere. This crowd has been coming out of Jericho, heading south toward Jerusalem. They, they, they have been following Jesus, walking with Jesus, surrounding Jesus. They were there when blind Bartimaeus cried out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me! Over and over until Jesus stopped and called for him. And they brought him to him and they healed him. And Jesus said, Go thy way. And he began to follow Jesus. He, he went after Jesus up the road. Now he's opened his eyes. He, he can see. And he's like, I'm going with you, Lord. And so they're heading down the road. And, and Zacchaeus hears the rumbling that Jesus is coming this way. I want to see him. So he climbs up in the tree to look down. And, and while he's a grown man up there in the tree looking down at, uh, like a little kid, here comes Jesus, and Jesus calls him by his name. He didn't know Jesus, but Jesus knew him. And Jesus called him down and said, come down hither. Come here. Come down. And he did. He came down. And he, you, know what? you know what? He realized he's real. This is, this is the Messiah. This is, this is him. And he came down. He got saved. And Jesus said so. Jesus said, he said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And he said, this day salvation is come to this house as much as he's a, as a, as a, a, a son of Abraham. Just as sure as he's a Hebrew, he's saved today. But while he's standing here talking about this, he gives them this parable. And why does he do it? The Bible says, because they thought, 
Here it is. They thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Do you all remember? Just a few sermons back, the mother of James and John come to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, please grant this thing for me. Please grant this Please grant it that one may sit on the right side and the left side in your kingdom. Why did she say that? Because they thought the kingdom of God was fixing to immediately appear. They thought when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, he's going to overthrow these Romans and he's going to get them out of here. He's going to do a cleansing of Israel. I mean, he's going to, I mean, the armies are going to rise up and they're going to throw these Romans out and we're going to have, we're going to rule the world. It's going to be awesome. See, they, they knew about these prophecies, but they had it all tangled up. They thought, oh, this is fixing, this is, I mean, we're going to get our country back. I mean, there was, a, there was a national pride that was running through everybody because we're fixing to get our country back. We're, everything's going to be heaven on earth here in a minute. And they're jockeying for position. They're thinking it's going to happen right now. And he knows that they're all confused. So he tells them this story to try to straighten them out. All right? He said, verse 12, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Who do you think that certain nobleman is in the story? Does anybody have any ideas? That's Jesus. Jesus is talking about himself. He is that certain nobleman. All right? And what does it say? That certain nobleman went into a far country. What is that far country he's talking about? He's talking about, I'm going to die and I'm going to my father. I'm going to die, I'm going to be resurrected, and I'm going back to heaven. All right? Isn't that, what he, isn't that what happened? Okay. He ascended off the Mount of Olives, and he went back up into heaven, and the angel said, why he stand here, gaze up into heaven, you men of Galilee, this same Jesus, which you've seen go, returning like manner as you've seen him go. He's coming back in the clouds, just like you saw him go before. All right? So, he went to that far country called heaven. All right, and the Bible said to receive for himself a kingdom. What is he doing? He went back to the Father, and when the Father says it's time, Jesus is coming back then to conquer and set on that throne. Okay? But not until the Father says it's time to go. But he went back to, to wait until the Father said it's time to go take that kingdom, which is rightfully yours. All right, but here's the thing. Some things have to take place. All right, Jesus went back, and guess what's going to happen before that takes place? There's got to be a scroll that's going to be unrolled to tell all this. All right, let's look in the Bible. Turn over to Revelation with me. Turn over to Revelation chapter 5. All right, he went to receive for himself a kingdom and a return. Stay with me. Follow closely. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 and following. Let's listen very closely. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth Neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much 
because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. By the way, that's Jesus. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book. And you know why? Because he beat the devil when he died on the cross. Amen? Hallelujah. No, he's prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals. He prevailed against death. Amen? Death couldn't hold him. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Yes, crucified. Having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Listen this morning. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them hearts and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we, look at it, shall reign on the earth. You see that? We shall reign on the earth. What is those seven scrolls, the seven seals? Listen, that's what's going to happen during the time the Antichrist is in power on the earth. Jesus is going to open those scrolls All these judgments are going to come raining down upon the earth. And you say, well, where in the world will we be during that? Praise God, we'll be in heaven with Jesus. Hallelujah. We won't have to face those, those judgments that are going to come upon this wicked world. But they're going to come surely. Listen, and that's what he's telling them. My kingdom's not fixing to be established. There's some things that's got to take place ahead of time before all those things happen. Listen, after all that, once all that's done, Listen, then and only then will Jesus return. But he is going to return. That's what it says there in verse 12. He went to receive himself a kingdom and to return. He will come back, amen, just like he said he would. Now I want us to look in verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, why 10? I don't know why 10. I've tried to figure that out, but I can't figure out why it was 10 servants. I heard somebody say 10 referred to the Gentiles. I have no idea if that's any any significance to that or not. It really doesn't matter. He put a number on it, but it doesn't matter. It's referring uh, to, to servants of God. These are not lost people. These are not people that don't that don't uh, look upon him as, as Lord and, and Master. They, these are people who have believed on him, okay? These are believers. Now, he said, he, he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But I want you to notice something. He, it was ten servants and ten pounds, so everybody got a pound. Okay? Pound or a mina is a weight of money. Equals up about, about $15. They were all given the same thing. Nobody got more than the other. Everybody got the same thing. And I think to myself, where do I see in the Bible where God gave the same thing to everybody? And I happen to think, well, let's look in Romans 12. 
Romans 12. Now, he didn't give this to everybody. He didn't give this to, to he gave this to servants. Okay? But Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So what do these pounds represent? I believe these pounds represent your faith. Okay? Faith is the substance of things of things not seen. You can take that faith, and what did Jesus say you can do with that faith? You can move mountains. You can have trees plucked up and removed by the roots and cast into the middle of the sea. You can, listen, that faith can get you a Savior. That faith can do all kinds of things. That faith is powerful. It's the, it's the, it's the dynamite of God, amen? Faith is a powerful thing, and God gave every believer a measure of faith. Do you know he can give faith? He gives a measure of faith to every man. The Bible says to every man. But you see what, what lost people do, the people that don't trust Jesus, they take that faith and they put it in the man in the mirror. Or they put it in they put it in Allah, which is no God at all. He's made up make-believe. Or they put it in, in uh, uh, Buddha, which was nothing but a man who lived and died. Or they put it in, 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 in Joseph Smith, the head of the Mormons. Or they put it... They put it in something. They put it in their money. They put it in, in their looks. They put it in their, their, their fame. They put it in something, but they don't put it in the right place, which is Jesus. But these servants, they took their faith, and here's what Jesus said to do with it. He said, Occupy till I come. Occupy the message. What am I supposed to do? Jesus said, hey, here, here's some faith. Occupy. I'm going back to the Father. Okay? I'm going back and when he says it's time for me to come and set up my kingdom, I'll set up my kingdom. But while I'm gone, here's faith. Occupy till I come. What do you mean? I got thinking about that word occupy. It doesn't mean, I mean, a lot of times a lot of times you you talk you hear somebody talking about somebody's uh, a, a country an army is occupying a territory. I don't believe it's in regard to that. Y'all know the word occupation. What does that mean? It means your job, doesn't it? It's what you do for a living. Okay, occupation comes from that word occupy. Okay, so when God is talking about, he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying do something. With your faith. Make something out of it. Don't just sit and do nothing with it. Listen, we're we're kinda like we're we're kinda like a tea bag. Okay? We're kinda like a coffee filter. Okay? We we're just there until the hot water of the li- the living water of God, the faith runs through us, and God works in us, and then he makes something out of us. Okay? God expresses himself through us and, and whatever whatever's in us comes out. And guess what? God gave you some kind of talent that I don't have. God gave me some kind of talent that you don't have. God made all of us able to do something for him. God, look up here. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make losers. God doesn't make second-class citizens. And God doesn't make waste. 
So quit sitting there sitting on your blessed assurance, feeling sorry for yourself, saying I'm a loser and a nothing and a nobody, and God can't use me because that's the devil who's been talking to you for years and have talked you out of doing anything for God and is going to talk you right into shame before the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just being blunt with you. He, the devil is going to talk you right into a being ashamed before your Savior. Don't listen to a liar. He was a murderer from the beginning. He is a liar and the father of all lies. When he tells you you can't do anything for Jesus, he is lying. He tells you that to keep you from doing anything for Jesus. Let God work through you. Let God do something with you. Let Use your talent that God has given you. You say, oh, I don't know what I can't sing. Well, maybe didn't God didn't call you to sing. Maybe God called you to love. Maybe God called you to help. Maybe God called you to teach. Maybe God called you to encourage. Maybe God called you to uplift. Maybe God just called you to be merciful, to be a soft place for somebody to come to, to get comfort of God. Maybe God called you to change diapers somewhere in a nursery or to teach little kids. You may, it may be somebody listening to me this morning who, whose, whose ministry is changing dirty diapers in a nursery while, while, some, while, while everybody else is enjoying church. And it's like, what a lousy job. I'm in here changing dirty, nasty, stinky diapers. But you know what? Them babies can't change themselves. And babies can't do a thing for themselves. And if you're if you're doing that for the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. God's going to honor that. God's going to honor that. Let me tell you, it, 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 everybody received the same faith. And how God uses you is between you and God. It's not between you and anybody else. See, I want you to understand something. What I read over in Romans, and I meant to hit it while I was there, but let me just read it to you real quick. You don't have to turn there. Let me just let me just read that verse to you. See, so many people miss it. So so many people don't understand it. To what God is trying to do with them. Listen, I want you to hear this. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Well. I'm a, you know, look at me. I'm talented. Oh, boy, look at me. You know, there are people, and I'm, let me just say this real quick. There are people in churches, and I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but we've all, if we've been in church very long, we've seen these kind of people. I'm talking about, you know, you got somebody who's a good singer, and I mean, they, man, they, they sing. I mean, every hair is just perfect and in place. Pearly white smile. I mean, dressed to the T, you know, just everything perfect, and they just sit back and, Wah! I mean, there's a place for all that kind of thing. I don't care about it in here. But you know what? And, and they, they, they do it, and, boy, they love the applause. They love people telling them how good they are and how good they sound. Can I tell you something there? That's too much man and not enough God. It's about... Me, 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 I, 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 me, me, me. That's why God's, that's why he said that. He said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You're not that good. You're not that great. You're not that wonderful. But what you are, 
God can take, and if it's for him, God can do great things with it. If you want to do it for you, it ain't going to amount to a hill of beans. All that, oh, he's so wonderful. That's all you're going to get. I hope that was great because Jesus ain't going to give you any credit for it. No, occupy till I come. Make it your business to serve the living God. Look, you got you can't figure out what anybody else has got to do for God. Only person you got to be concerned about is you. Say, how do I figure that out? Have you talked to God about it? Have you asked God, God, will you show me what you want me to do in my life for you? Have you even thought to ask God about that? Or do you just think he saved you and set you on a shelf till he comes back and gets you? Because that's not how it works. That's not what the Christian life's about. Every day we are to live our lives with the, with the thought in our mind, am I going to please and honor God today with my life? Are the things that I say or the things that I do or the, or, or the ways that I influence people, is that going to do anything for God and his kingdom today? If you don't think like that, then you're not going to do a thing for God. Because that's where it starts, is being conscious of wanting to serve and please God. Because, folks, if you're saved, you are a servant of the Most High God. There isn't any wallflowers in God's kingdom. God has given to every man the measure of faith. And he wants all of us to be busy and work for him and make something out of our faith. Listen, make something out of our faith. Let's read James, James chapter 2. Very important passage of Scripture. James chapter 2, verse 14 through 20. Again, make something out of your faith. God gave you faith to use. James says this, what does it profit, my brethren? Now, again, what is the Lord doing? We read it earlier. He gave them these pounds or this money, this, this amount, and he said, go do something with it. Okay, what does he want them to do? He wants them to bring back a profit. Okay, you take it, you invest it, you do something with it, and bring back a profit. All right, so what James says, what does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith and have not works. In other words, he says, oh, I got faith in God, but you never see anything to come of it. Can faith save him? He said, if a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, so somebody, a brother or sister, ain't got nothing. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? What good is it if they're standing there with, with, with tattered clothes, barely anything on, and they're hungry, and you just say to them, man, I sure hope you, I hope you get your belly full, and I hope you get warm, but you don't do anything to help them. How are you going to get anything out of that? How's that going to help them in any way? How's that going to be a blessing? You just said it. You didn't mean it. If you meant it, you'd go find them something to put on. If you meant it, you'd say, hey, come, let me get you something to eat. You understand? Just saying it doesn't do anything. Faith is doing something. Faith is the substance 
<coughs> it's real. He said, even so, faith, if it hath not worked, is dead being alone. Just, just talking about serving God is nothing unless you do it. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. There's nothing to show you. I can talk about my faith in Christ, but if you don't ever see Christ in me, then what is it? It's just all empty words. It's all empty words. He said, I will show thee my faith by my works. I'll prove to you. Well, in other words, what have I said time and time again, what Mark Wheeler said, if something as big as God moves into your life, he is going to stick out somewhere. That's what it means. I'll show you my faith by my works. God will show up in my life, and you'll see that he's real. He said, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, O empty-headed man, that faith without works is dead? It's not, it's, it's not going to do anything. It's dead faith. It ain't, it ain't living. It's just sitting there dead, idle, doing nothing. He says, do something with it. Occupy. Do something for me. Look in verse 14 in our text. But his citizens hated him. Now, who are the citizens? Citizens are, are the lost Jews at that time who didn't, who didn't believe. Those are the citizens, and they hated him. Those are the Pharisees. Those are the ones who, who are always trying to trick him, always trying to catch him in a lie, always trying their best to set him up. They were, they were people who looked on him and said, oh, he's not real. I mean, they, they hated him. They, there's no middle ground. Nobody's just, ah, Jesus is all right. No, you either love him or you hate him. There ain't no middle ground. And his citizens hated him. And they sent a message after him saying, we'll not have this man to reign over us. You know what? That message is still around. It's still around. It's around in movies. It's around on TV. It's around in music. It's around in every bit of pop culture. It's around everywhere that says we won't have Jesus Christ to rule over us. We don't want any part of him. It's everywhere. And we can't love that which hates Christ. We can't, I mean, how in the world can you love something? I just love that when it hates God. We have to look at things for what they are. If something comes against our God, we can't be with it. God, how do you think God feels? He looks over at us and we're loving on something that clearly hates him. Is that showing the love of God to other people? Is that showing a lost and dying world that we that we our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? I mean, is that truly painting a picture to the world? That, no, it's not. It's not. His citizens hated him. What do they do? They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They hated him. They marched. They protested. They screamed. We'll not have this man to rule over us. I look today at this world, and I see the sodomites marching down the street. What are they preaching? We'll not have this man to rule over us. I see the abortion crowd out there saying, it's our right to murder our babies. What are they saying? We'll not have this man to rule over us. I see all these, all these ignorant liberals and Democrats 
who just want to destroy everything that's good and right and run God out of everything. What are they saying? We'll not have this man to rule over us. And it ain't just Democrats. There's enough Republicans who are just as ignorant as they are Democrats. And the way they live their lives and the way they go about things, they're saying we'll not have this man to rule over us either. That message is as loud as it's ever been, and it's getting louder. That's whatever. That's whatever Muslim in this world says. We'll not have this man to rule over us. We'll. And they do it. This message is still present. But you see, verse 15, it tells us there's going to be a day of reckoning. There's going to be a day of reckoning. Thank God there is. The Bible says, and it came to pass that when he was returned. Oh, he's coming back. And by the way, let me make this clear. This is not talking about for the Lord's church. I want you to understand that. We're talking about the second coming of Christ. We're going up before all these things take place. Okay, But I want you to know that there is a parallel for us with this right here. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, But the Bible says, And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. You see, it's reckoning time. And like I said, it's similar It's similar to the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ, uh, I'll, I'll read you that very quickly. It won't take but a second. The Bible says, for every man's work. I'm sorry, let me back up just a hair. It said, according to the grace of God which is given unto me, verse 10, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. He's talking about using your faith and building a life for God. Okay? He said, for other foundation can no man lay than it, that is laid. He's saying, look here, I, the foundation is Christ. You can't build worldly things on this foundation. You've got to build godly things on this foundation. He said, if any man build on this foundation, gold, silver, and precious stones, that's, oh, that's going to stand because those things are precious. That represents godly things, righteous things, things that are done for the name of Christ. He said, but wood, hay, and stubble, those things are not going to last. He said, every man's work shall be made manifest. All right, what did it say over here about it? It says, it says that, that when he, he commanded these servants to be called unto him and to whom he had given the money and, how to, and he might know how much every man had gained by trading. What's he doing here? He wants to know how much anybody's gained the same way. In the judgment seat of Christ, it said, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest or made known for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and that fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Keep that thought in mind. Now, what happened here at, the ju- at this judgment? All right? Verse 16, then came the first, saying, Lord, 
thy pound that you gave me, are you with me? Thy pound hath gained ten. Now, what did he, what he, he gave them, he, he didn't give them some great fortune to go and do something with. I mean, $15 is not a lot of money. But what did he do? He turned it into 150 How did he do that? He, 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 he had something that he couldn't lose. All right? My salvation, what I have, I can't lose. I, I, can, I can continually give it to somebody else, and, it'll, and, and it, it can gain another. But I can't ever lose what I have. So evidently, this this man had used what he had of God for the kingdom of God and had gained by doing so. All right? So what happened? Christ was pleased with him. Why? Because he did what he sent him to do. And he said unto him in verse, in verse, uh, in verse 17, he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little have thou authority over ten cities? Listen, in the, when, when Christ comes back the second time and he sets up his kingdom on earth, those who serve him faithfully, he is going to put us in charge over cities. He's going to put us in charge. And he said, you've been faithful in very little. It wasn't much. It was $15. It wasn't much. But you took what I gave you and you did something with it. Christ said, all I gave you was a measure of faith. And you did something with it. Listen, if it matters to you that Jesus Christ died for your sins, if it matters to you that he loves you and he shed his blood for you, if it matters to you that he cared enough for you to have this whole, this whole plan for your life, if it matters to you, then, then don't sit and waste your life for the devil. Don't sit and waste your life sitting in neutral, doing nothing, wasting time. Do something for God. Turn your life over to God. Say, Lord, I can't do anything. I'm going to make a mess of this thing. Let, I, I want to put it in your hands and let you do something with me. Let you have control. If you'll do that, God will, God will do something with your life. Incredible. He can. He took a, he took a bunch of old fishermen who were nothing but, but a bunch of crude fishermen and, 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 and rough old guys and took them and made disciples out of them. He can do something with you or I. He took a tax collector who everybody hated and made something great out of him. He can do something with you. Then verse 18, we see that the guy, that, the second guy, he came and he said, he said that pound you gave me, it, it, it gained five pounds. Wasn't as good as the first guy, but he, he did something with it. And he said, likewise unto him, be thou also over, ten, over five cities. See, their, their rewards in proportion to their work. And another came, verse 20. Stay with me. We're almost done. Don't get tired. This message is for you. Verse 20. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. I kept it in a napkin. You gave me that, I folded it up, I put it in the closet, I hid it. There it is, safe and sound. There's your, there's your pound back. It didn't please the Lord a bit. You know why? Because this servant was lazy. This servant put off work to the last minute and he didn't do a thing with it. This servant didn't appreciate what was done for him didn't consider what his Lord had done for him. 
You know what? He didn't even know his Lord. He didn't really know him. I mean, that's been the point of this whole sermon series is getting to know him, getting close to him. But this servant here, this, he didn't even know him. He had no idea. He didn't try. He gave no effort whatsoever. You know, it's just laid up in a napkin. At home, <clears throat> somewhere tucked away in my closet, I've got wrapped up in a napkin something that was given to me when I, well, I, it ended up being mine. I inherited it. My my grandfather's coin collection, uh, again, wrapped up in a napkin, put away in a little box. There's a, a night, I'm sorry, an 1849 piece of fractional gold from the gold rush in California. Now, I don't know what it's worth. It could be worth a lot. could be worth a little. I don't really know, but it's gold. And again, it's it's something from 1849. I mean, it's very old, but you know what? It's 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 in a box. You know, it's not doing anybody any good. It's worth something, but it's not doing anybody any good. Could it be sold and something be done with it? Probably so. But you know why? You know why nothing's ever done with it? Because it's out of sight and out of mind. Do you know? Do you know? This morning, when I got ready for this message. That's the first time I thought about that gold in quite some time. I don't see it. I don't think about it. Put up. That's the same thing with this guy here. You hear me? This guy. He took that. He took that pound the Lord gave him, and he folded it up in a napkin, and he put it in the closet. You know what? That's just like. That's just like somebody that, that, that gets saved, but they don't ever try to do anything for Jesus. They just coast through life, waiting on him to come back and get them. Just sitting around like a bum doing nothing. Their salvation, their faith, their, their, what they're supposed to do for God, it's out of sight and out of mind. They're too focused on what they can get out of this world. They're too focused on this world, which is a place that hates Jesus to begin with. This world is not our home. It ain't our friend. And we're not to uh, scoot up to it and love on it. This world is not our home. You're not going to spend eternity... Here. You're going to spend eternity with God. This world is not your home. So this man, he said, you know, he said, now, verse 21, he makes this statement to God, or to Christ, or he, Christ says he makes this statement. He said, now, he said, I feared thee. I was afraid. You know what that sounded like to me? A lame excuse. What did Christ ever do to make him fear him? Make him afraid of him. This is not saying I fear you in a reverent fear. This is saying I'm afraid of you. Has God ever done anything to make you afraid of him? No. All he's ever done is, is be merciful and kind and just and righteous and holy and gentle and merciful. This person didn't know him. Not at all. He said, I, 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 I was afraid and I... I because thou art an austere man. You say, what does that word mean? It means you're a hard, cruel master. That's not who God is. He said, thou takest up that thou layest not down. You wanted something I couldn't. You wanted, you wanted blood from a turnip. You wanted blood from a stone, didn't you? Didn't you, Lord? You wanted me to do something I couldn't possibly do. You're a hard man. He said, you reap that you didn't sow. In other words, you're taking something that don't even belong to you. He said, my life, this is my life. You're 
come and take my life? You want me to give up my life for you? Yeah, that's exactly what he's wanting you to do. That's exactly what he wants. He wants you. You say, well, why should he have me? He paid for you. That's why. He bought you. You're his. And if you steal from him, there'll be consequences. You serve him, there'll be blessings. And he said unto him, it's okay. I'll judge you out of your own mouth. That's the way you see me? That's the way I'll judge you. He said, Thou knewest I was an austere man or a hard, harsh man, taking up that I laid not down and reaping that I did not sow. He said, Wherefore thou gavest not thou my money? He said, Why then? Or that's what he's saying. Wherefore then? Why then didn't you give my money into the bank that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? In other words, I might have got something back on that pound. I mean, interest, anything. Listen, if you weren't going to use, if you weren't going to do anything for God, couldn't you have at least invested in the work? If you weren't going to do anything for God, couldn't you have at least given something to missions? If you weren't going to do anything for God, couldn't you at least put something in the offering plate? Couldn't you at least help out here or something? Couldn't you have done something for God? At least something so that it would have showed up something was done for me? That's what he's saying. But no, he didn't care. He didn't want to do a thing because you were lazy. You could have invested it somehow. And he said unto them that stood by, take from him the pound and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And it doesn't say that, but it implies that they all sit around and went, huh? Well, this guy's already got ten pounds. You see, man can't see what God sees. Man doesn't understand what God understands. And from their point of view, it's like, well, why would you why would you take what he had and give it to this guy that's got more? And Jesus said, for I say unto you that every one that hath shall be given. I'm generous. The one that gives a little for me, I'll give him a whole lot more. And he says that from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. What does it say? For the ones who have the wood, the hay, and the stubble, their work shall be burned. Take from him that he hath. You know what? His life was spent in the service of himself. It wasn't spent in service of God. It was spent in service of himself. So whatever he hath, it's gone but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Understand, this is a servant. This is not a citizen who was lost. This is a servant. He was never, he never was lost, but he lost everything he could have had when he met the master. He could have had reward. He could have heard, well done, well good, thou good servant. He could have heard that, but no, he sat around and did nothing with his life for God, and he wasted the opportunity. He did not care. He did not love his Lord. He did not have a heart for God. And therefore, when it all came down to it, when he faced up to God, God said to him, you lost your reward. You lost every bit of it. And what will he live with? He'll live with shame forevermore. Shame that he didn't. 
Now, I suppose, seeing how there's some point in time when the Bible says God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, at some point, I guess all that seems maybe, I don't know if it goes away or not. I don't know if that shame ever goes away. But I know the Bible talks about them and it'll be a shame before Christ that he's coming. That ain't in the Bible for a joke. That's for real. That ought to make every single one of us shudder when we think that we could someday have Christ come back to us, come back to get us, and we stand shaking and trembling before him. Let me tell you why. Because of a life wasted. That's why. A life spent on us without concern for God. What is Christ saying in verse 26? You will be rewarded according to your works. You can take that little bit of faith. Not nothing big. Listen, Christ didn't give you something to open some grand business with. He just gave you enough that you can go person to person and make another one. Gain another pound. Go to another one. Gain another pound. What are you doing? You're taking what you have and doubling it. That's what he intends for us to do. That's what he intends for us to do. And lastly, verse 27. But those mine enemies. Who are they? That's the citizens of Haiti. Listen, that's not just Jews today. That's, that's Gentile and Jew alike. Those who said, we'll not have this man rule over us. You know, I'm not trying to put any spiritual thing on, on, on the president. But you know, it's amazing how the hatred of someone who wants to set things back like they ought to be, who wants to turn all of these evil regulations and all the evil things that have been done in America, all these, I mean, I'm not saying he's perfect. I know he's not. He's, he's not a perfect man at all. He's a sinner just like everybody else. But but the things that, that this administration wants to do, they want to turn things back in a better direction. And there's so many in this world that hate and despise them for it. It just makes me think that's, that's the way they look at God too. That's the way they look at us. Anybody who wants to do something for right and truth and righteousness, they look at us and they hate it. They hate God. And you know what God says? I can handle that. I can take care of that. He says, but those thou my enemies, my enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring them hither and slay them before me. Well, let's look at that. Let's look at that before we're done. <clears throat> Turn to Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And we'll be closing after this. Matthew 25, beginning verse 31. Stay with me. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory. Oh, that's when he comes back to receive his kingdom. And all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on, the right, on his right hand and the goats on the left. 
Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You hear that? From the found, before, the, before anything was formed, it's been prepared. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when sawest we thee, we, we thee unhungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, For as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. When we, listen to me, when we do something in Christ's name because we love him, because of what he has done, listen, are you hearing me? This is important stuff. When we see someone in need, when we see someone who's hurting, when we are, are, are brokenhearted over somebody who don't know Jesus, and we do something to show them that Christ loves them, when we do something for him as, as, as though he were there doing it for them, listen, he said, you did it for me. That's what we're to do in this world. Again, you let God work through you and whatever it comes out is, is, is God working through you. It won't look just like me doing it. It won't look just like someone else doing it. But listen, when we give the love of God to someone else, no matter how it comes out through us, Christ said it's like you were doing it to me. And then he shall say, also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of these, the least of these my brethren. I'm sorry, not my brethren. He didn't say that to them. He said, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Again, those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. As Spurgeon said, it was doubly bad to be slain in the presence of one who loved them and they didn't love back. 
tell you something. What a tragedy it would be to have heard the name of Jesus, to have held the word of God, to have listened to the preaching of the word of God, to have had the Holy Spirit of God stir around your heart and to die and go to hell, to have Jesus say to you, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. It's a horrifying thought. And I want to say this morning to to anybody listening to me, and I realize there are people listening that are not in this room, and there are people who who could be very much lost listening to me. Don't die and go to hell. There's no reason for you to die and spend eternity in punishment. There's no need for you to go out into eternity lost without Jesus Christ. Look to the Lamb of God. Look and live. Look upon him that shed his blood for you. Look at what he's done for you. Look at what love he has has shown to you. Believe that he died for your sins. He was punished for your iniquities. He he was punished for your sins. Look and believe that he, he paid the price for you. That he died, was crucified, took the punishment in your place. His punishment satisfied the wrath of Almighty God. And God doesn't have to hold your sins up forevermore before you and say you're going into punishment. No, because Christ took your punishment, and he can set you free. Come to him. Bow before him. Repent of your sins. Say, Lord, my way is wrong. My way is, 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 is so wrong, and I know the only way that's right is through Jesus Christ, and I'll believe, and I want to be saved. Turn to him today and believe on him. And I say to every single believer under the sound of my voice, don't you sit around and waste your life. Don't you sit around and waste that, that, that faith that God has given you. Ask God. Go to God. Fall on your faith before him and say, God, what can I do for you? What can I do in this life that brings you honor and glory? Show me what talents that I have that you've given me that you want me to use for your glory. And he'll show you. Make that your prayer. Cry out to God. You say, well, one time? No, until he answers. Until he answers. It could be there's some things in your life God wants removed out of your life before he can ever show you what he wants you to do. Go to God. Say, Lord, prepare me to be a, work, be a worker for you. Prepare me to be a servant for you. Use me for your glory. See, his time was short. He was going to the cross of Calvary. This is a fleeting message. He's saying, now, wake up. Do something. Don't waste your life. Don't neglect me. Let him have you, and he'll do something great with your life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before your throne this morning. Lord, I preach that I, I pray that you'll take it now and do something with it for your honor and glory. Lord, I just thank you so much for this ministry you called me into. Lord God, I pray for everyone that's here in the room with me, and I pray, Father, for their lives. I pray, Lord, that, Lord, they not take these 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 messages for granted. Lord, they realize this is this is the word of God, and this is personal. This is for each one of us individually, personally. And we're going to be held accountable for what we understand. 
Lord, I pray you, you, you do something with our life. Lord, don't let it be wasted. Father, I pray for understanding. I pray, Lord, day by day that we, we gain a little more understanding. Lord, our vision is a little more clear as to what we're to do for you in this life. Father, help us to be comforters. Help us, Lord, to be encouragers. Help us, Lord, to be the salt and the light around us. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. Father, I thank you for each one that tuned in today. Lord, I ask you to bless them. Meet their needs, Father. You know them. And I give you the glory and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.